Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Union Digital Bank a fully digital bank with a mission to empower every Filipino everywhere by providing easy access to digital financial services for consumers and businesses. Union Digital Bank partners with startups to co-create financial products to meet the needs of their customers. Contact Union Digital Bank to explore how they can power your platform with embedded financial services. For more information about Union Digital Bank, please see their website at www.uniondigitalbank.io. Stay updated by following them on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also brought to you by PayMongo, the payment gateway for business growth. PayMongo allows your business to accept online payments from your customers through Visa, MasterCard, GCash, GrabPay, Maya, online banking, Buy Now, Pay Later, and many more. All with just one platform. Sign up for free at PayMongo.com. And brought to you by SeekCap. SeekCap is a lending platform powered by UBX Philippines. With SeekCap, you can easily apply for a loan from 5,000 pesos up to 1 million pesos from the comfort of your own home nationwide. Visit www.seekcap.ph, sign up, and apply for a loan now. That's www.seekcap.ph. Take your business to new heights by seeking capital with SeekCap. First thing is really, you know, really the importance of finding really, really great founders and then building companies, you know, together with these founders, but ultimately for these founders that are going to take these companies and run them for the next seven, 10 years. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Share Podcast. I'm super excited because I've been very, very anticipative of this guests, of these guests out here. I've been low-key looking at LinkedIn of the new stuff that's going on, right? And there's been this wave of venture building that we've seen. But if there's one venture builder that I'm... I'm venture builder model that I've been seeing it's this right here because they are building startups to help save our dystopian planet <laughs> because we continue to F it up 
But without further ado, let's welcome two out of the five, out of the five founding partners of Wavemaker Impact, Miss Marie Chong and Quentin Buckwood. Welcome to the show. Again, Planeteers, I'm glad you've all grown up. <laughs> that is so amazing. So again, very, very excited to talk about this because climate tech is something that's always is uh, the flavor of the month, but there's just not enough startups that are doing it right. Uh, they're even brave enough to take it on, right? But we'll talk about that later. But before I get carried away, Marie and Quentin, I need to ask you the million-dollar question. Marie and Quentin, what's your hustle? I think you should take it. Okay. I, th- I mean, I think we have the same hustle, right? The mission of Wavemaker Impact is to build a portfolio of companies that can abate 10% of the global carbon budget. Wow. That's about five... 5.5, 5.4 gigatons of carbon uh, dioxide equivalent that we are trying to remove from our Earth's atmosphere. And I think um, all of us know the challenges around climate change, but maybe to put it in context for our region, you know, if we don't do anything about global warming and um, our, our kind of rising uh, carbon emissions, then we're three of the largest cities in Southeast Asia are likely to be underwater. Which are? Ho Chi Minh, um, Manila, and uh, Jakarta. That's too close to home. Okay. Oh, right. That's that's crazy. Jakarta alone lives uh, situated in Java where there's 145 million people, right? Manila, what, 20 million, 30 million people, right? So, uh, and a lot of the biggest population, again, I'm, I'm uh, obviously Filipino, is near the coasts of Manila. And obviously, Ho Chi Minh is right at the coastline of Vietnam as well. So scary, scary, scary times, right? And I love what you guys are doing because you're now powering startups that want to try to attempt to save this. I mean, it requires a lot of things to go our way. But again, just the fact that you guys exist makes me hopeful that at least we won't be treading water in a good 30 to 50 years span. But before I get carried away, again, before we tread water and try to save the the world, I need you to buckle up real quick, guys. Because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share time machine. There you go. Pick you up. Ride shotgun in Singapore. All right, Planeteers. This really feels like a Captain Planet episode. <laughs> like 20 years after. What happened when the the, the, gar- the girls and gar- uh, guys are, are now grown up? But again, I'll start off with Marie. Okay, so I'm literally just in your LinkedIn coming in raw like a creep. I want to understand how you first hustled and what your first hustles that would uh, that you did when you were growing up. Oh, like what from from like the start of my career life? of my life? Where do you... No, pre pre career. What were you <laughs> interested in doing? Are you a planeteer? By did you have one of the rings? What was the first version of Marie like? Yeah, you know, I was actually um, uh, a little bit like that. I went to an American school, and they really pushed the the Sierra Club and WWF, like, you know, wow. or yeah, uh, before it was uh, about wrestling, you know, it was, it was still. <laughs> Attitude era. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was still about uh, animals and ecology and conservation. So uh, I actually, um, when I was in the fourth grade, launched a campaign to get my school canteen to switch from styrofoam to paper packaging. And wow. the way we did it is we rallied a bunch of our friends together, somehow got our classroom teacher on board, and we picked uh, the styrofoam out of the bins after lunch and uh, right. it up outside the canteen office. And then it works. They, they successfully switched it over. So I guess uh, activism works. But um, and then and then I have to say, like, I it just kind of um, just kind of got, you know, worn down over time. Right. Like. <laughs> School got harder as there was more things kind of taking up my attention. Then university mm-hmm. career was something that kind of went a little bit on the on the back burner for me. What changed it was um, I had my son in 2017, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I'm Singaporean, and everything in Singapore is like 50 years old, right? Um, and my parents were like super normal people, but um, you know they can kind of say now that they're retiring, like, "Hey, we built this. Here you go." And I thought, shit. <laughs> what am I going to? What am I going to be able to turn around and pass over to my son? Right. Right. And and then I think from that moment on, I started thinking, okay, what I wanted to do is is find a way to dedicate most of my time, which meant you know my career, to doing something about climate change. 
but I really I, didn't know. Right. I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. Uh, I'm not a government policy person. The only thing that I knew a little bit about at that point was kind of early stage startups and B2B tech. And so I thought, okay, what would it look like to help build startups that could fight climate change? And I really had no idea. All right. I'll just breeze through this real quick. So your first few jobs was in a uh, Keir group and you did Simon Kusher and partners, KPMG, of course. And then these are all, again, uh, in, the, in the world of finance, right? But I want to understand from that skill stack, the fact that you're coming in through with that very clear vision of what you need, all these skills are actually going to come into play because you're if you're not going to be the active person to actually solve the problems, you're going to be the one funding these superheroes that will then help us solve, save the planet Earth, right? Talk to me about the skill stack that you built over the years as you were doing your career uh, pre-Wavemaker Impact. Yeah. So first of all, I don't think I ever like really had a career plan that I executed particularly well. Mm-hmm. I've always been interested in how business works. You know, what are the drivers? What are the levers that actually that you know move the needle? The reason that I love B two B tech is because um, you know I think like particularly enterprise tech. These are like really big, complicated organizations. Yep. But if you can kind of move a huge ship a little bit you can really change, you know, the course and trajectory of a company. So, so I've always been kind of fascinated by that. But yeah, I don't, I didn't have like a, I didn't have a big plan. I just had things that I like doing. And then I, I think I realized along the way working in, in Europe that, you know, Asia is kind of where the action's at, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of um, in, in, in Europe and in North America, there's a lot of innovating around the edges, kind of incremental improvements. Whereas, you know, in Southeast Asia, there's the opportunity to have a blank sheet of paper, right? Look at what's worked in other markets and then, you know, think about, you know, how can we create something that's better and different? And so I think there was always something in me, like a little bit of this sort of building a little bit of like a desire to be creative. But I I don't think it was until, you know, I was lucky enough to join NG Factory, which is where I met Q, that, uh, you know, I really kind of discovered that, hey, Maybe I can build startups that help fight climate change. And yeah. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll cut you off real quick there because we will talk about the NG factory inflection point that you guys had. And I'll go to Q. I, I'll call you Q as well. That's a nice name. All <laughs> right. So, <laughs> I, I don't want to butcher names. So I'll just always go with a short form. So Q, right. on, on your end, talk to me about the pre-career hustles that you did. Are you also someone that who was really fond of trying to make the world a better place, at least climate-wise? So I guess my story is a bit different. Mm. I didn't do so good at school. And, uh, Same. Okay. <laughs> I think I just didn't really get it. I couldn't get really interested. And so I kind of, I sort of survived, right? But I, I did quite poorly. And and, and uh, I even, I don't tell this to many people, but I, I even doubled a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was sort of a moment where I said, oh, okay, shit, what am I, what am I doing? Right? This is more serious than I thought. You just told it to the larger. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's okay. And uh, but so interestingly enough, at, at, at some point, I kind of uh, I kind of realized like, okay, I really want to I really want to do something. I, I had quite big dreams of things I wanted to do, and so I said, okay, what uh, what what could I do? And I said uh, I was quite good at programming, and so I said, well, maybe I can be an engineer. Where mm. everybody was saying, well, that that sounds like a you know, really dumb idea. <laughs> so, no, I think I can do it, so I want to try it. So I, okay. I actually literally went to our math teachers, and I was doing two hours math a week, and I said. Uh, I want to be an engineer. And he said, well, that's not possible, Quinton. All right. So, okay, but I want to try. Can I get four hours of math a week? And so I kind of negotiated my way through with the principal. All right. And I eventually got it. And so, you know, long story short, uh, I ended up going to engineering school. I had to work so hard, but so incredibly hard. And I, I'm very lucky in Belgium, there's no entry requirement. So you can just, you know, roll in and, and do Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting. Like a thousand students the first year and then, you know, 200 the second and so on. <laughs> That's like the hunger games right there. <laughs> kind of, right? Like, if you, if you, right. you can, you can. But so I think what was really cool is that I worked so hard during those years. And what it, uh, what it ended up doing is that uh, I ended up graduating with the best scores they had in, in, you know, in a decade. And for me, it was really a moment of kind of proving, hey, okay, you know, even if you, you didn't start with maybe the best schools and the best things, you can actually do whatever you want if you put your mind to it. And I think Uh, that was a moment of shift for me in my life where I said, ah, okay, what if I can dream bigger? Where where are the limits? Got it. 
looking at your LinkedIn again, there's a couple jobs in Brussels and Belgium and whatnot. But again, the one thing that gravitates me towards this this whole narrative is again, you started also with NG, but this time in Belgium first, and then eventually you did NG as a corporate founder in Thailand. Talk to me about that experience because I think that's an inflection point where you and Marie also figured out that you can do startups together. So I was, I was developing renewables for NG. And uh, initially as a young financial modeler and over time, more and more responsibility in the region. And I really enjoyed it. And so one of the, one of the things suddenly, holiday, diving, Maldives, mm. I sort of said, hey, why is this island running on diesel? Their whole electricity production was based on diesel. Wow. I had a day and a half in Maldives, in Malay before kind of going on the boat. And so I went by the diesel power plant and, and suddenly I couldn't kind of understand, you know, diesel electricity is so expensive, solar electricity is so cheap, you know, right. it's so enormous that we must be able to do something crazy in terms of solution to, to solve this and still be economic. Yeah. So I remember going on the diving boat and I had lots of time and, and I asked myself the question, you know, could I create a molecule that I could insert in a diesel engine that would be carbon-free and that would basically be economic? And so it wow. turned out it was hydrogen. And so wow. you know, I came back from the holiday, gave myself six months, made a plan, went to the CEO of NG in the region, a uh, Belgian guy at the time. Okay. And, uh, and so Jan was like, okay, who are you? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I proposed a plan, right? I pitched it and... and and I gathered support and people said, okay, great, let's, let's do it. And so the question was basically, can I get $100,000 and, and, and try to build a hydrogen business for it? And this was in 2014. So I got the answer and that was yes. And that was sort of the, again, wow. out of that, okay, maybe we, can, maybe we can do stuff. Maybe we can, like, if we just try, we can, we can really try. We can right. really Regardless of the ambition, that's, that's, that's huge already at that point. And then, you know, I mean, hydrogen is hydrogen, right? It's really hard. And it's kind of, um, I think this is where we learned something really interesting about climate is that we all rush into these science solutions, right? We all say climate is an, is an energy problem, largely, right? Or at least a big part. So we need to solve it with technological scientific solutions. And, you know, somehow partially that's probably true. But what we forget is that there are so many other problems to solve that are actually much easier problems to solve. Right. And, uh, and they're not scientific. And so, you know, as, as I personally, I tried for three years to develop hydrogen projects in the region. I, I burned myself so hard on it. Um, and and what, what we discovered then was that actually a lot of the reasons why these projects didn't materialize were not that they were not economic, that they were didn't make sense, that they were not well, well engineered. It was that customers just didn't want to, you know, be the first one to take the risk. Or maybe right. it becomes cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. And so what we found is that, well, actually, if you look at that problem, that's an adoption problem. That's, that's a customer willingness problem rather than a, than a technological problem. So what if, what if this problem existed more? What if uh, we could look at what, what are the other technologies? What is this? And so what we found is that, you know, solar, energy efficiency, agricultural efficiency, you know, fertilizer reduction and so on. If you put all these things together, you can reduce global emissions by about 50%. Wow. What if we could build companies that go after these customer problems rather than trying to invent new science, try to deploy what we have, what we know, what's what's what right, right. And what if these businesses were just business model companies like e-commerce and marketplaces and you know, small versions of Grab and, and, and all these things? What, what what if that was possible? Makes sense. And that was the foundation of, of NG Factory. And, and that's kind of where Marie and I met and we said, what if we what if we take this challenge and, and we try to do that? That is amazing. All right, now let's circle our first week and when we come back, we will now talk about how you then worked together in NG, NG Factory and how then you decided that, all right, let's take it up a notch and now build Wavemaker Impact. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back to the break. We are still with Hugh and Marie. Then told us uh, their origin stories and how they got their first taste of China, helped save the world through smaller startups, smaller scale that uh, eventually will, if you add it up, it, it becomes exponential. Because it's really hard to like, you know, let's solve the great Northern Pacific garbage patch problem. You know, how much <laughs> money are you trying to, are you going to try to get to fix all of that uh, garbage patch problem brought about by the currents, right? Whereas the real problem solves uh, that, that, we, that we can solve are always starting with the lowest hanging fruit. So that's what I want to talk about. So you, you have a, you have a inflection point in the NG factory, Asia Pacific. Right. What were the first startups and projects that you guys worked worked together on? And talk to me about how the the magic happened and how you guys uh, the dynamic of working together came through. So first of all, NG Factory is great. It's still great. Um, the many of the startups that uh, we were involved in launching still in existence. Uh, nice. Still doing, you know, fighting the good fight. In fact. Um, Wavemaker led the the seed round of uh, one of the companies that was built through NG Factory, Table Pointer. Wow! Which is how kind of you know uh, Steve, Paul, Doug, you know, got to know us and the beginning of that sort of relationship. So yeah, still some great companies there and a, a good team doing good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think there's, I, I'd say there were I think about ten companies that we were involved in building uh, at Factory. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of learning along the way. I think that the for me there there were two key learnings. The first is the importance of the founder. So you know what we talk about now at WeMaker Impact around things like founder problem fit. Yes. Um, you know th- these these are things that we learned over time, right? And you know we th- this was really where we learned that you know there's a difference between uh, working with second or third time founder that's really had to hustle and build this up for themselves. Yep. And somebody who's a first-time founder that maybe comes from you know a, a great career in a corporate context, right? These are these are kind of different backgrounds, different experiences that that kind of drive people. And you know, we we learned that really founders have problems and types of customers that they love solving. Yep. Uh, and so now we really see it as our role to to show founders where those problems exist in the climate space. So so you know, I think the first thing is really you know really the importance of finding really, really great founders and then building companies, you know, together with these founders, but ultimately for these founders that are going to take these companies and run them for the next seven, 10 years. Right. Uh, so I think that was the first learning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the the second learning is, you know, kind of what we talk about now, which is sort of hundred by hundred, you know, how do you, how do you start looking for opportunities that are going to be big enough to move the needle? Right. Um, and I think, you know, one of the, the moments that I remember very clearly is kind of doing a back of the envelope calculation and thinking for one of our companies, like, you know, how many companies would it take for them to abate 100 megatons of carbon emissions? Wow. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's more customers than there are in the entire world for this Correct. particular company. 
And then, you know, it was really kind of like, okay, how do we, how do we think bigger? You know, how do we find the right opportunities? And so now, you know, we think about carbon in terms of, you know, target addressable market, just like you think of, of dollars, right? So, you know, most founders won't work in a space where there isn't, you know, a TAM that's in you know, $5 billion, right? right? Because, you know, you're only going to be able to capture a certain part of the market. Mm-hmm. And so now we think the same way about um, carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that thinking was, you know, built out of the experience um, of, of building companies with uh, NG Factory. That is amazing. Now, Hugh, for, for in your experience, uh, again, you, you've had a first try working together with Marie. And the fact that you guys still work together here in Wavemaker Impact when you did, did NG. What were the first things that, that you worked on that you said, oh, oh shit, this is going to be something magical? What, what, were that, what was that experience like working with Marie? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I like what was one of the things that, that Marie said, right? I think I mean, the, the, the whole experience that we had at NG Factory going from we have no idea what we're doing to actually building company one, company two, company three, company four, five, six. And as we did that, we, we, we learned so much along the way, right? And so... I remember indeed the, the, what, what Marie was describing of, of doing this math and then realizing the ambitions we have are, we, we, we hadn't kind of thought about that initially to that, to that scale. And so as these things became clear, as we suddenly saw, okay, uh, if we want to build a really big climate company, we need to think about climate in the same way as, 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 as a VC thinks about revenue. And as we sort of saw these things, we, we thought, okay, maybe, maybe, uh, and so there was another thing for me that, that was really important is that, um, you know, NG is an energy company and energy is part of the problem in climate, but it's right. about Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia, 50% of its emissions come from agriculture and land use change, which is basically deforestation. Right. So that's a lot of emissions that come from, you know, non-energy uh, things. And so, you know, as we kind of saw these things, we said, well, okay, maybe, maybe there's a bigger ambition here. And then we started kind of building that out. And, and, uh, and I think, you know, both of us, you know when when you're when you're two peers and you feel that you're you're learning as much as you're teaching, you always kind of feel 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 challenged by the other in a positive way. I think that's the kind of working relationship that we had. And we said that, that's nice. pretty cool. what if what if we can take this and and kind of imagine what our big ambition could be. And I, mean, I remember we we came we came back from a, from a work dinner and and and, uh, and and it's at the end that we said, well, okay, what if we try to work this out? What if we see how big this could be? Nice. And that was kind of the seeds of, of then, uh, and then what, what this later became. Okay, so how did that turn into WaveMaker Impact now? Because again, I'm, I'm coming in raw from the point of view of a startup founder, right? Okay, I'm trying to, I get the problem that they're trying to solve because the fact that you guys are solving and trying to attempting to solve it is amazing. But I'm also looking at it, all right, this is a venture builder approach backed by a venture fund or a VC. Right, that at the end of the day, the LPs need to be given that exit, that hundred x exit, whatever that is. Right, so you're really gonna go go big or go home here. Is that the the right thing here? Because if it's not ambitious enough to again tick off the climate side of things, where you're talking about the massive carbon emission that we're trying to cut off, and also have the business gains of a VC model, those are two mega ambitious things that you work together. And I just want to understand how you marry those two together very well. Because again, it can be very daunting yeah. to marry those two. Because in NG, this was a corporate entity. This one is a VC that you're trying to push this for. So I, I think there's two key insights here that are, that are really interesting. So the first is that you cannot build a 100 megaton carbon company that is not a very profitable, high margin business with lots of revenue. It's just not possible. Then you're basically aiming to create uh, maybe maybe a, a, an NGO or another types of company that can, of course, be very good for climate, but that will have a really hard time to reach the right kind of scale because a 100 MT business is simply very, very big. So, so kind of understanding that the, two, that the two are together means that every dollar of revenue you generate needs to abate a ton of a certain amount of carbon, every amount of carbon that is reduced need to come need to come with a certain amount of revenue. Otherwise, it doesn't work. That's the first key insight as to um, as to why it works. And so, for a second now, the second key insight. Excuse me. Sorry, I'm looking at Marie, but she has no idea what I'm going to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> I want to understand uh, from from this point of view, right? How did all these minds come together? Because again, there are mandates 
right? Wavemaker as a fund, I know that they're a deep tech SaaS SaaS type of fund, right? I've seen the type of companies they're, they're, they're fund. And for them to carve out fund for this and to be very specific, it becomes more niche. You narrow down the type of founders and the type of problems that you're going to try to solve, right? How did that come about where everything comes into play with, again, the other three founding partners that you have? Yeah. So maybe just to, you know, to share a little bit kind of on their behalf, you know, Steve and Doug and, and Paul's story. So, you know, Steve, Steve Meliush is the founder of Property Guru, listed on the NYSE last year. So incredibly successful founder. Amazing. He, he, he transitioned out of the business in around 2018 and uh, joined uh, Wavemaker um, as a venture partner, helping Paul with the early stage fund. But, um, you know, also kind of has chosen to dedicate uh, his professional time and, you know, a significant amount of his personal capital to uh, sustainability issues and fighting climate change. So incredibly kind of inspirational person. And then Doug Parker um, was a CEO of Newtonomy, uh, which uh, had a half a billion dollar exit. And similarly, you know, joined Wavemaker as a venture partner after his exit, helping Paul in the early stage fund. But increasingly, you know, dedicating more and more of his personal time and his his personal wealth to to helping fight climate change. And so, you know, you you had these two incredible venture partners working with Paul, kind of pushing Paul, saying, "Hey, we got to do something in sustainability. We got to do something in climate." And yeah. then the big question is, what? Right? Like, you know, if you took a pure play VC approach to investing in climate in Southeast Asia right now, it wouldn't work. There no. just isn't companies for there to be for there to be there's not enough e-fisheries out there there aren't enough there aren't enough founders simply looking at the biggest drivers of emissions right and and so the 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 ecosystem here is too nascent for a pure play vc approach and it just so happened around that exact time you know q and i were kind of trying to pull together you know what could our own version of a climate tech venture builder look like you know, how big would the fund need to be? What would we like to do? What kind of partners would we want to work with? And wow. so then there was a little bit of like, you know, luck, <laughs> luck and timing and fortune. And, you know, it was also during the kind of COVID uh, mm. time. So people weren't traveling, you know, everyone was kind of locked in Singapore. It's a pretty small country. Right. So there was an opportunity to kind of meet people a few times in a short span of, uh, you know, a short span of time and kind of get to know people. And so, yeah, so I, I think, you know, we kind of, we kind of got lucky. A lot of, a lot of stars uh, aligned to make it happen. So Wavemaker Impact is a dedicated fund in the Wavemaker platform. So we're completely separate from the early stage fund. Okay. Have um, some similar LPs, but also LPs that the early stage fund doesn't have. We have a distinct uh, group of LPs. We have a separate IC process. Mm-hmm. We share platform level resources like HR, legal, finance, but our bill team is is kind of separate, just like the investment team on the early stage fund is separate. Um, And I guess for me personally, what I think kind of ties everything together is, you know, Paul and then Eric, you know, kind of built over the last 10 years of Wavemaker being in Southeast Asia, this kind of ethos of, of helping companies, founders, ideas succeed that otherwise wouldn't succeed. Yep. Yeah. And and climate is just another version of that, right? It's mm-hmm. an opportunity, and uh, you know, if we didn't build the companies that they were we we're building today, they might not exist otherwise, right? Correct. So, so we're giving kind of this this new type of company a shot to kind of grow and really make a difference um, in Southeast Asia, and then hopefully beyond. All right, that's amazing. Now, again, every VC, obviously, every fund has a mandate, right? Can you? Describe exactly what's the thesis, the investment thesis that you're looking at or the mandate. Because again, it's it's very nascent, as you said. There's just not enough e-fisheries-like startups that are out there that can actually scale, right? A lot of them are just either highfalutin and they don't know what the hell they're trying to do. They can't assemble. And you mentioned it. It requires a certain type of founder to drive a complex ship that will try to tackle the, the climate change problem, right? But let's talk about that that mandate first. What is what uh, what is the exact thing that you guys are trying to invest in? We invest in second time, third time entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who have built companies before, 
and who are now looking to maybe build the last company or, or one before the last one uh, in climate. And in the same way as, um, you know, 10 years ago, entrepreneurs would ask, but if I can't program, can I be, can I be an entrepreneur? In the same way we, we hear today, really competent entrepreneurs who build successful uh, tech companies say, but if I don't know climate, can I be a climate tech entrepreneur or do I need to be a scientist? Got it. So, you know, these are people, these are individuals who, who are incredibly good at understanding a problem, building right. a company, building a culture, fundraising, building a commercial organization and so on, trying to find what, what relevant thing can I do in climate. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, we sort of have this, almost these, these glasses that we put up where we see all these opportunities and these problems in climate, okay. in land use, in agriculture, in fertilizer, in energy, in solar, in mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And we've sort of built a methodology and a process and a, and a team and a culture that goes after these problems and try to understand. And then what we do is we basically bring these founders together with these problems. And, you know, with some process, we let these things come together. And then suddenly, in a space of, you know, four to six months, the, this founder who starts with us and has no idea what he's going to do or she's going to do uh, after the six months, suddenly starting a business uh, with, with validated problems, with positive unit economics, with clear value creation in a large market where kind of nobody's playing today. Nice. And that's where we go. Um, and that's kind of, that's the investment thesis uh, that we go after. That's yeah. amazing. I think to add on, so, you know, we, we, we are targeting, you know, typical fund returns, right? <clears throat> so we're targeting, you know, 3x and above in terms of fund returns. And we are, you know, we have the same lifetime of fund as yep. you know, a typical Ten years. Mm-hmm. to kind of fund. It's the usual two and 20 structure for, yep. for yep. like, so, so we're operating within the, the structure of typical VC. Got it. I remember exactly the point that I forgot earlier. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, but I, I want to understand, I uh, just want to go deeper on, on, two, on the two things. So you're technically marrying, you're playing Tinder here, right? With solid founders and problems that are urgent, that have been vetted for, that have, there's a proper thesis on it. And I've never seen this work well before, aside from what you guys are doing. Because first of all, is it just repeat founders? Are you okay with just say, okay, I, I, I created a random startup six months and I failed. Is, is that uh, the type of founder uh, you're, you're trying to look for? Can you elaborate further on the type of pedigree you're looking from the founder side of things first? Yeah. So maybe just to give some context, right? We're talking about accelerating the deployment of existing technology. So this is the the moat, uh, the defensibility that our companies will build will be around execution and delivery. And so we are looking for founders that know how to execute and deliver at scale. Gotcha. That's really the types of, of founders that we're looking for, right? And and I mean, exited founder is just kind of like a, a shorthand, right? For yep. for saying this is somebody who knows, you know, exactly like you said, right? How to build a product, how to build a pipeline, how to build a team, you know, how to how to close sales, right? So that that I guess you know, it so happens that all of the founders in our portfolio right now are mm. successfully exited founders. Wow. But it's, you know, when, when you look at, you know, when you're looking for those traits, right, when you're looking for people who know how to execute and deliver a scale, then it kind of points you towards people who are sort of have done it, done in the past, yeah. right? Finish the journey with the whole, yeah. the whole nine yards. Just it, again, being one of the select few, I, I was telling Marie this when I met her, like if I was a free agent, I'm in, but I'm, I'm currently, I'm in the trenches with my startup and I'm not one to leave the ship. Okay. So I'll go down to the ship and if I'm trying to get above board. So not, not, not me, but in a, in a perfect world, I know what it takes to go from zero to one, build assemble, and then all the way to an exit. Cause the hardest part is towards that last part when you're trying to get an exit, even get the whole D through the whole DD plan, right? There's a ne- another level of be, uh, of being a startup founder that you need to unlock to be exit worthy. So just for example, another one that from the Philippines that sort of recently just got acquired as a wave maker founder. His name is Gian Delorama of Aya, got acquired by Sprout. 
also a wave maker thing. We talked about the amount of diligence you have to have as a founder and the, the nerve-wrackingness of it to just finish the, the, the journey. And the other thing is, after acquisition, there's another level of being a founder that you have to unlock. Because before, if you were the whole shot caller on everything, now there, you, you live under or you'll have to hustle under a governance of either a conglomerate or a bigger startup that acquired you. And then you, you mature as a founder that way. And I now understand that if you're trying to tackle climate with all these ready things that can be scaled, it re- requires that type of founder that is. But other than that, is there other intangibles that you look for in these types of founders that are, say, exited already or have, have finished the journey? So I'd say the two other things that, that we look for is the first thing is curiosity. We're, we're looking to create connections that other people haven't seen before. And to do that, you know, there has to be a willingness to really understand the customer, understand their pain points, understand what drives them. And, you know, to do that, you really got to be open to learning, right? You've got to be open to asking questions, going deeper. You know, I'll give you an example of, of, of Helios because, you know, it's super relevant to the Philippines market, right? But one of the, the really interesting insights there is, you know, a couple of things. So first is that when you talk about rooftop and residential solar, the majority of people in Southeast Asia, as they become more affluent, they want to move into condos. The, the majority of people who live in landed houses that, um, you know, you, you can put solar on the rooftop for, you know, they, they are middle income people, right? The average house price is between 30 and 100K USD. And, and you know, you, you've got to get to know that customer and, and the kind of motivations that they have. And the interesting thing is that if you ask these people about electricity bills, you can have a 30-minute conversation where somebody complains for the entirety of that conversation about the price of their electricity bill. Yeah. But then you ask, have you done anything about it? And there's nothing, right? But when you ask people, like, what do you really care about about your home, right? Everybody wants a bigger home, a nicer home. You know, they want a third bedroom so their mother-in-law doesn't have to sleep with their grand, their kids, right? Like, it's like that. that's the kind of... Those are the things that really incentivize and motivate people to do something different. And that's where we came up with this idea along with, with Shinya, who's the founder, and Alex. Shout out. What if we could, you know, help people afford bigger homes or get a cheaper mortgage as a result of putting solar on their roof? And then wow. suddenly you know, you're connecting dots that have not yet been connected in this market. And that's and you need a certain level of curiosity and willingness to really understand the customer, get into the problem. To, to see that opportunity. So curiosity and willingness to learn is a really big thing. And then I think the second, the, the second thing is um, just real, you know, focus on the mission. Uh, 100 by 100 is not a small target. So you've got to be willing to, to go big. You've got to be willing to think in different ways, willing to think about multiple geographies at the same time from, from, from the start. And so I, I would say those three things, you know, ability to execute, curiosity, willingness to learn, and then, you know, a real passion for the mission are the three things that we're looking for. That is amazing. Now let's take our last break. And when we come back, we will not talk about the cases, the problems that they are trying to solve. And also we'll talk about the process of how to join Wavemaker Impact as a founder. If you're one of them, very few finishers that we have in the region and how you can help to save the world like the planeteers we have in the show. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter 
Carter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn Earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from your break. We are still with Q and Marie then told us uh, the amazing... And super ambition. I love it. It's like, oh man, if I was just pre-agent, you already know I'd be the first guy on the line. Tito Paul or Paul 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 Santos knows what, what's up, right? But again, let me finish this journey first in Podcast Network Asia. I still have a long ways to go. I'm just in year four. I have six more years more. <laughs> Hopefully, we're still... Manila's not yet underwater by the <laughs> <laughs> what, what, you know, once once you have your exit, you can you can invest in us, right? Yeah. Just join I'm us trying out. to do two. Yeah. I'm <laughs> trying to do two. All right, we'll see, we'll see. But again, let me finish the job because that's the thing. Founders that you know are legit are not here just for the up the the, the initial uptake. You have to go through the crazy roller coaster ride and the Richter scale esque uh, journey that you're gonna have to go through. But again, if you're looking at founder market fit or founder problem 
fit. Is that correct? Or uh, yeah. at yeah. the same time, you need to understand the problem well and fall in love with the problem to the point that it needs it becomes personal to you. Because it's easy to give up sometimes as a founder. Like, ah, this is too hard. I'm done. This doesn't make sense, right? But can you guys illustrate also or describe what are the other problems that you guys still want to solve here so that say a founder that's listening to this because a lot of founders listen to this that are probably fit the criteria can probably say hey i'm down to do that what are those problems can you give me an example and what what are you trying to solve with this yeah yeah i mean there's there's so many really fascinating problems in the region so maybe um kind of the, the way we approach this with founders is we we don't just barge in and sort of say hey here are problems select one and then go and execute right so it's it's a it's a real discovery process, and the way we start from this is we we've basically drawn up a carbon map, like a, a map from Southeast Asia that shows us where the emissions are. Okay. And we still see these buckets, right? There's a agriculture is one, and then land use is one, which is deforestation, and there's one in buildings and mobility and energy and industry, and then what we sort of try to do with founders is we we say okay, you know, let's look at these different spaces and we try to understand. Where is there some chemistry? Sometimes it's chemistry at the level of the type of stakeholders. Maybe, you know, you as a founder really like the idea of engaging with farmers because, I don't know, your father was a farmer and and you feel really connected to that. Or maybe, you know, you spent your life in in industry and you really connect with, uh, you know, SME factories uh, who produce all sorts of things. Uh, you're a consumer person. Your previous company was in in a consumer product and and you really connect with that idea of, of... of impacting people's lives and so on. So we kind of look for for these connections. Where where are these affinities? And uh, and so we we've sort of had a process for that. And and as and as we walk through that, we we, we kind of find topics that, that that the founders are interested. In. So what are some of these things that you know that for example we find very interesting? And we typically call them hundred by hundred white spaces, right? These mm-hmm. Big spaces. Garment recycling is a two gigaton global emission uh, you know problem. Wow, I did not even know that. Okay. One gigaton comes from basically the, the you know primary production of yarn and yeah. the textile which is producing. And all of that comes from Asia. Just look at the labels of all your shirts, right? All exactly. from here in this region. And so you know what's amazing is that um, you can basically recycle all of this. The problem is not a technological problem. So you can, you know, I can take this shirt that I'm wearing, we can throw it in a machine, make yarn out of it and make new clothes. But wow. the problem is that the whole supply chain of getting these clothes from one place and then separating them out in the right types of clothing, and then you know putting them in a machine. All right. of that's complex uh, business model problem. So that's a really interesting large problem uh, that wow. we'd love to work with someone. You know, the whole biofuel space or the whole sustainable fuel space. Um, Southeast Asia has so much agricultural uh, biomass waste product that is today kind of left on the field to rot or burned or. Uh, which could be an enormous source of, of fuel, um, a zero carbon fuel that could, you know, fuel planes and buses and trucks and cars and so on. Also a fascinating topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, renewable energy, you know, Southeast Asia today, the penetration of solar is, is still so, so low. Um, the penetration of energy efficiency in factories, the penetration of other types of renewables. So all of these are kind of opportunities where, you know, financing platforms can play a role or, or execution companies that, that you know orchestrate the, the, the deployment of many different uh, developers, for example, and, and solve problems for them. These are some of the problems that we find really interesting. That is super amazing. Again, you just realize, man, everybody, th- these problems have existed for a long time. I don't understand how nobody is trying to solve it. Or maybe it's just because it's not sexy or the path towards profit is not clear as day. I want to give you an example of, a, of actually a company which just launched. Okay. The company's name is uh, is, is Bumi Baru. It's a, it's a company in Indonesia. It's just okay. now fresh. And so the problem it's going after is uh, is degraded lands. Okay. So interesting, we found that Indonesia Indonesia alone has 40 million hectares of degraded lands. Okay. And so this is basically land on which there was a primary forest that's been cut down for timber, land that's been overused in agriculture. Old mining sites, you know, name right, it. All right. pieces of land that are kind of, it looks dead. Okay. So what's interesting is that these lands are owned by many different types of people, private people like you and I, uh, companies who have concessions and so on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, mostly the reaction of these stakeholders is, well, what do I do with this? <laughs> it would cost me money to rehabilitate. 
Uh, I don't really know what to do with it. So it's right. kind of a problem. And then on the other side, you have agricultural operators, people who use land for productive use who say, I cannot find land. I don't, I want to plant 200 hectares of peanuts. I can't find land to plant it. And then you see that there's a, there's a mismatch problem, right? There's a demand right. and supply. Right. How come on one side people tell me that they have too much land and they don't know what to do? And on the other side, people tell me they can't find it. And wow. so what we found actually that there's a, there's, there's a real complexity in finding these pieces of degraded land, upgrading them, getting them in the right kind of state, and then, you know, putting them available. Look at it like, uh, you know, you take a building, an old building that you refurbish a bit. You yep. know, you lease it out again. You lease it out again. The economic opportunity there is, is interesting and obvious, but, but you need to, to go and look at it and understand it and understand the stakeholders and the problems in order to suddenly say, oh, here is value creation. Here's carbon sequestration. And, uh, and so suddenly by making this land useful again and, and, and so on, you sequester carbon in that operation. And, and, and so suddenly for every dollar of revenue you generate, you sequester carbon in the soil in that piece of land that was previously yeah. Man, I'm super blown away by these things. And again, I, I can't wait to see the type of uh, companies you guys create. But walk me through, if say a founder that fits the criteria is listening to this, what, what's the process like in joining this? Because this is not your typical accelerator. I'll do a pitch all of a sudden. This is so unique. What's the process like? So we are always looking for founders. We we almost if you go onto LinkedIn on like you know any given day and you you put in WaveMaker Impact, you will see a job posting for a founder opening. So we have a, a fantastic lady on our team, Holly, who is our founder recruiter. You know she gets back to people that apply within kind of three to five days and has the first conversation. And if it's a good fit, you know within a week, probably be talking to me. Uh, and then, you know, we, we just keep going from there. We don't, we, you know, it's, it's really like a people play, right? Okay. You know, we consider our first investment decision, the decision to, to invest in a founder. And then yes. we got to find the right business. But, you know, if it's the right founder, we were confident we'll, we'll come up with the right business at the end. Correct. And so the only way to, you know, see if it's a good fit on both sides, right? And it, it has to be a good fit on both sides is to really spend time with each other. So, you know, each of the, the partners invest time meeting with the founder. We do trips into, you know, cities across Southeast Asia on a monthly basis. We try to meet up with founders when we're in town. You know, we want to meet people face to face, right? Uh, you know, for example, we had uh, one of our founders who's just joined us in, in Australia fly okay. to Manila and come and meet uh, the partners that were there and then uh, meet with Helios. We went out on site with Pavel, who's the founder of Wastex. We went to a right. chicken farm, you know, to see one of the biotron machines in action. Right, right. So it's really about kind of spending time with each other and building that kind of trust-based relationship uh, and figuring out, you know, if if you'd be happy to to have a beer with each other in seven years uh, from now, right? Got it. Yeah. So so that's really the process. It's spending time with with the team, spending time with the partners, you know, working out if this is the right kind of two-way fit. This is not a program where, you know, you register and then, uh, yeah. you know, you bid in a business plan competition and then, you know, <laughs> businesses, yes, no. So this is a... <laughs> You're going to have a demo day. Right. right. So for us, the investment is the individual. And, and because we, our commitment is if, if we kind of, the five of us, the six of us, right, the five partners and, 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 and then the founder, if we all decide, hey, we want to work together, we want to... We're happy to spend the next 10 years of our lives created and, and, and building a business. Then we're confident that with our team and our process and our resources, we, we can help find the right opportunity to build. And then that's the only that's the only thing between you know us now and, and, and us eventually then, then investing and, and, and going going on this. I, I wanna ask though, in terms of the urgency, because okay, all right, this takes time, right? But the problem we're trying to solve and on an everyday basis. There's more and more emissions that are coming through. And the more the more time we spend trying to assemble these things, it's not like the world is stopping from effing itself up. <laughs> it, it's effing itself up every day. So how urgent do you and how what's the pace that you're trying to rally all these teams to assemble and get the hit the ground running? Yeah, so um, you know, uh, we launched about two years ago. So last year we built about one company. Every six months. Wow. And then uh, this year, in the first half of this year, we built two companies. 
and we're building four companies right now. So, wow. so by the end of this year, watch out. Ten. So we're, you know, we're we are moving quickly. You know, we work with founders that know how to execute fast, mm-hmm. um, and you know, really just kind of hit the ground running. So at the point at which we invest in each of our companies, they've already secured their first customer. So wow. you know that that the the train is already you know like halfway out of the station by the time you know our venture building uh, ends and we become more kind of like a traditional VC. Uh, um, so yeah, so I think we're moving quickly, and then I think you know really you know, our commitment to, to founders is, is around this kind of 100 by 100 mission. So you know what it's like, right? As a founder, you, you feel like you're you're kind of running up a mountain. And I and I think, you know, our commitment to founders, if you're going to run with us, what we promise you is that if you get to the top, it's going to be a pretty big mountain. This is, this is the needle mover opportunity. Correct. And okay, maybe you don't make it to the knot, maybe make it halfway, but you're, you're chasing something really big. Right. Yeah. I mean, founders are used to being Sisyphus anyway. Just pushing up a boulder up until the, the up until the hill until it falls back down and try to pull it again. But hopefully we're one of those uh few just like the ones that are looking for have already figured out a way to put the the that boulder over the top because they've exited, right? But last question before I let you go. How much resources do you guys deploy? Because again, with such ambitious uh problems that you wanted to solve you need enough resources to get people over the top and really give them a fighting chance to solve it can you describe also the type of resources and support they will get from wavemaker impact if they yeah so when 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 you join us as a founder you get a team of three venture builders um, which are you know experienced people sometimes it's ex-consultants sometimes it's ex-entrepreneurs themselves uh, instead of products for big tech companies and so on and so you, you get that team um, that essentially will spend with you the next four to six months uh, in order to, to build a business. And so one of typically Marie and I will then uh, join the join that team as, as a partner on, on the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happens is that over the that team is entirely dedicated to you as a founder. And so as a result, you also ask the founder to be entirely dedicated to this. Okay. And so you know, at the end of say four months, five months, we get to uh, to the right business opportunity. We're ready to invest. At that stage, we invest half a million dollars US. And so what that allows you to do is to go from this commercial opportunity we have identified, that first customer that you've got an LOI within your hands, the first three hires that you've identified and so on, and you go basically execute on it and deliver on that and show that it's actually real, show that you can first product iterations, first revenue coming in, the team is building up uh, and so on and so on. You know, what, what, what Helios is doing and by the time, you know, 12, 18 months later, uh, that you go and you go and raise a, a seed round in the market, that's the point essentially where, where we go with you, uh, help you fundraise, help you, help you be ready for that. And then, and then, and then continue to follow on, uh, into our companies. And so, you know, we, we have the ability to invest, um, even up to series B with uh, wow. companies. So we have the ability to follow on quite late. Of course, we'll have to be picky. Of course. And our choice will really be hundred by hundred, right? That, that that ability to combine that incredible scale for carbon emission reduction and, and revenue. So we're, we're able to kind of go quite long uh, with our nice. funds and, and help them succeed. Again, just like what I told Marie, I am sold, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot of great founders that are also going to be giddy to join you. So if they want to join you, where do they go and how do they do that? So first of all, we have yet to find our first Filipino founder. Yep. So, you know, th- that's that's one of my personal missions right now. So Ronster, you know, introduce us to your friends. Yes, they're listening to this podcast. So by yeah, then, hopefully. Talk to, I'm going to be in Manila later this month. So yeah. so first of all, if anyone's immediately interested, hit me up and uh, there you go. we'll find some time to meet. Uh, but yeah, so the easiest way to do it is really if you just search Wavemaker Impact on LinkedIn, we have constant openings and uh, you can apply through there or you can reach out to Holly on LinkedIn. We're, we're pretty responsive. So please, please reach out. There you go. But before I let you go, uh, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any type of podcast app. And if we did say some jargon, it's also going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. But before... We also wrap this baby up. Shout out to our Hustle Share premium users. Migo Gonzalez, Lu- Angelo Lee, Emilio Limtan, Mon Quindosa, and Gab Abbott. And just like them, you can also be part of the Hustle Share premium community by joining us in premium.hustleshare.com. 
Com. Again, Marie and Hugh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, Thanks for having beautiful. us. Thank you. All right, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Thank you.